So I was joking with a friend the other day that if you look at HBO series and a few other TV shows, uh, drama series that come on TV, a lot of them will have 12 episodes a season. Then they'll take a season break, and then the second season will have 12 episodes and so on and so forth. It just so happened to be as a pure coincidence that after I did 12 episodes of the Life Optimized show, I happened to fall off the planet a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry about that. But then I remind myself that I created this show for myself. I wasn't uh, really planning on being so disciplined as to the marketing structure and the production structure of it. And yet I get a lot of praise for the production quality of the show anyway. That it's not to say that um, that I don't take it seriously. I do, and I just wanted to record this really quick message before we do a comeback. You can pretend that this is the first episode of season two of the Life Optimized show if you want. It's not really. It's just episode 14 uh, because we did that episode 13 in the middle. And I'm back with a vengeance. I think that's the purpose of recording this. I've already got quite a few recordings uh, done. And I think the quality of conversations that I've started having with people for various reasons, but also because of my evolution as a conversationalist and my evolution in being able to source really interesting people much more consistently on the show uh, has improved. It's It's been a lot of fun. It's been absolutely remarkable. And I may even up the ante a little bit in terms of frequency of episodes and uh, start uh, basically producing and actually releasing episodes even twice a week. I'm not going to commit to that at this stage. What I can guarantee you is that they'll definitely, we'll definitely go back to the format of an episode a week, and they're going to be absolutely phenomenal. So let's kick off with this one. It's good to be back. Welcome to the Life Optimized Show, where every week you'll hear fascinating and introspective conversations with inspiring thought leaders from all around the world to help you optimize your business, leadership, and life. Now, here's your host, Dev Singh, international executive, business, and leadership coach, and self-professed philosopher and examiner of what makes the most optimized people in the world tick. He's a very, very well-established uh, podcaster himself, and uh, a great inspiration, a new friend of mine, and uh, you know, very, very happy to say that uh, recently I was on his show, the Tropical Entrepreneur. His name is uh, uh, Josh Denning. What was meant to be a 45-minute conversation ended up being a two-hour uh, conversation. In, in fact, we were speaking for three hours, um, but the uh, recording itself was about two hours. It, it was phenomenal, and it was not just phenomenal because of how much um, we, we connected and resonated, but I also think you know, you need to connect at a person-to-person -person level with somebody uh, in a particular way to be able to extract so much juice and meat out of uh, a conversation. It was fantastic, and I'm expecting uh, nothing less, uh, although um, probably not uh, two hours of conversation, maybe <laughs> maybe a little less than that. But I'm really excited to introduce Josh Denning. Um, Josh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dev. And yes, it was a uh, really was an incredible connection that we shared uh, on on the Tropical Entrepreneur Show. And uh, I too am very very happy to be calling you a friend now. The amount of um, value and interesting conversation and stuff that we delved into uh, during our chat was much more than expected. And um, yeah, I'm very happy to say that I've got another genius friend in my reservoir of relationships now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's very kind. All I can say is it takes one to know one, but uh, it also takes an idiot to know another idiot. So who knows? <laughs> Someone once told me, uh, you know, where they say, a great minds think alike. And um, I said that once to someone and the person just turned around to me and said, yeah, so do fools. 
<laughs> so, yeah, Josh, so you, how do you know which one you are? Well, exactly. I think uh, <clears throat> I think asking that question consistently is probably a good way to stay humble as well. But look, mate, you clearly have an incredible history of um, and, and just a wealth of knowledge and experience. I obviously had the opportunity to speak with you uh, after and before we did our interview on your show and, you know, got to know each other that way. And it, it's so one thing that really stood out to me was the diversity of experience that you've had, the highs and the lows. But your highs have been really remarkable. Like I can tell that you're someone who really plays to win and you have had some incredible wins in your time as well. But then also I was on your page, tropicalentrepreneur.com uh, forward slash about that kind of lists out your story. And you've, you've obviously taken a lot of time and care to write it out. And I read the whole thing a couple of times, actually. It was really fascinating. And what really stood out to me was that you've, you've kind of had the courage to, uh, to be knocked down or allow yourself to be knocked down from, you know, whatever... Uh, great sort of pedestal of achievement that you've been on and then you've just kind of turned around and said well let's see what's over here and see if I can build myself up to a level of success in this place and then you've done that you've you've achieved a great success as well so that's really inspiring to me uh, very motivating to me especially you know as someone who is a little bit uh, easily distracted by new ideas and new concepts that I can feel more connected with um, for example, you know, podcasting is just one of them. But <clears throat> I think the real value of it is in your experience with internet marketing and, and digital marketing in that space. You're probably someone who's really, really well positioned to address this issue that actually affects a lot of people of distractions that everybody gets, you know, really caught up in the next big thing or the next big hype. And they kind of go from, uh, you know, one program to another training product to another information product, jumping around all over the place and not really knowing how to follow through with something well enough, uh, like you have in, in many cases, uh, to actually start seeing results. So before we dive into that and, you know, um, extract all of that and all of that wisdom from you throughout the show, I was wondering if you could help me to introduce yourself a little bit by telling your story, because it's really huge and expansive. Um, so yeah, let's just hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, sure. Great. And um, thanks for that uh, amazing introduction there, Dev. And I must say that I'm extremely happy that someone's actually read my about page more than once. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. So, look, yeah, I, I've also been um, prey to the, you know, jumping around shiny object syndrome in uh, in my business and my life many, many times. However, I, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm very happy that I've jumped around a lot and, and, and been through a lot of programs and a lot of courses because I've managed to extract a lot of richness in terms of expertise and training and mindsets and systems and, and ways of, of looking at life and, and business that's allowed me to, I guess, experience a lot of successes in, in my life. But if you would allow me to just, I guess, go back through the story and introduce a little bit about my experience in business and, and where I've come from and, and where I've been. Uh, I yeah, think the abs audience absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely allow that. Okay, great. You, you have my permission. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks, Deb. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I've been in the digital agency world now for going on 12 years and that was really founded from me really wanting to grow as a digital marketer, grow as an internet marketer, which was originally spawned from getting involved in internet marketing programs and, and things like that. And um, 
I wanted to really get good at SEO. I wanted to get great at pay-per-click. I wanted to get great at what I'd seen the traffic was the critical area of being able to grow a digital business. And I've learned now that that's only part of the pie, but it, it is still very important. So wanting to make these programs succeed and, and become an internet marketer, I went and found my way, first of all, into Hitwise, which in Australia is probably the largest digital agency and, and potentially in the world. Um, they're now owned by an ex Experian and, and in Australia alone, the, the turnover across their um, search marketing, uh, email marketing and um, conversion rate optimization services is almost a billion dollars. So it's a huge amount of wow. uh, marketing spend um, under management. And um, they actually flew me down to Brisbane like twice a month for training during the whole period of time I was there. And one of the first clients I signed up, like so their, their minimum spend is $10,000 a month on traffic, which is, is huge alone. Like they get referred, you, you refer clients elsewhere if, they, if, if they're one of their first you know, comments is that's too expensive, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a quick referral. Hmm. But one of my first clients ended up actually spending $120,000 a month um, on their traffic across traffic and conversion optimization. That was just SEO, PPC and CRO. Wow. And that was a business called Bid Here, how to reverse auction. And that was really fascinating to me that um, there was actually businesses out there online that weren't even, you know, weren't really even interested in the whole internet marketing community per se. They were just building businesses and the internet or online was their medium mm -hmm. and they were going to look for experts that they could pay as part of their team to take care of the traffic side for them. Okay. Um, so completely fascinating experience with Hitwise. I was there for you know about about a year as one of their senior business development managers. I then moved on to Bruce Clay Australia. Yeah, so I, I really hadn't realized at the time that I was being recruited by these huge digital agencies in the world. I, I just thought they were normal really roles and I probably didn't pay them as much homage at the time as, as I should have. But anyhow, that that's another story. I ended up with Bruce Clay for a year as an SEO analyst. Mm -hmm. um, I discovered through that period that that particular role in implementation as an SEO analyst was a very introverted role and didn't perhaps suit me as much as business development, sales and marketing did, which were more extroverted roles. I, I like to be with people, I like to talk with people, coach them, train them, help them, help them develop their businesses. And um, I ended up deciding to move on. I actually, at that point, created my, my own small agency, which was called Clickthrough IQ. Yep. And um, we specialized in product launches with, with Clickthrough IQ and a little bit of SEO and consulting as well. And uh, we got quite big in, in the ClickBank world um, with promoting internet marketing products and we partnered and joint ventured with a lot of very large um, ClickBank people. Uh, I'm sure people would know many of the names if I dropped them, but I'm not going to go and do that now. And uh, that ended up a little bit disheartening to me because what I realized, and now looking back, I'm not so sure it's disheartening because I think they probably were really a lot of people were being helped by it. But these top click bank markers were all about numbers and units and really, you know, getting a system to make money as quickly as they possibly could, throwing up a sales page, getting as many units out the door as possible to make as much money as they possibly could, tweaking the marketing, you know, using very persuasive, very hypnotic sales copy, hiring excellent sales copywriters to produce the sales copy to sell these systems. So what the ClickBank marketers were doing was very, very different to what they were actually teaching people to do with systems, which was one thing that I identified. 
at that point, I decided to exit that business and I actually gave it to my business partner at the time. Okay, Took so a bit of a <clears throat> so hang on. What you're saying is, I just want to really emphasize on this point because, sure, you know, this is one of the things that I realized in uh, in my time with internet marketing as well, and what, probably one of those things that you know has contributed to the idea of authentic influence, um, the 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 event that I told you about, and that is. So what you're saying, just correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is that they were teaching people how to make money one way, but they weren't actually eating their own dog food, so to speak. They were. Um, what they were doing to make money was different to what they were teaching other people to do to make money. Is that what you're saying? Their own, their own dog food was a very small portion of the revenue in their businesses. It, okay. It, it, they were making money from the systems, but uh-huh. it was it was insignificant compared to what they were actually doing to make money. Right. Okay. Do you want me to delve a little bit deeper into that now? Or? Uh, no, no, it's okay. Please, please come keep going. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So. Um, Exited that business, took a sabbatical for a while, wanted to really rest and figure out exactly what I actually wanted to do with the next chapter of my life. Um, saw some roles, actually moved to Thailand. Sorry, this was a big aspect there after that. Yeah. Where's where my sabbatical was and decided to, to live um, <coughs> after vacationing for a while. And um, looked around for what people were doing here. I was looking at digital marketing. I was looking at real estate. I was looking at different things. And uh, long story short, I ended up involved with another digital marketing agency, and um, I started there as as, as a business development manager uh, very quickly. And I liked this business because their USP was to provide you know high quality services similar to what Bruce Clow Hitwise would provide, but at small business prices. So I'd gone from ten thousand dollar a month minimum spends with average of twenty five thousand dollar a month minimum spends dropped straight down to, you know, $500, $1,000 and $2,000 a month spends, which was also fascinating to me, but I realized actually most of the market is like that. Very quickly became the top consultant and within a year, year and a half's time, I actually went from a business development manager to a managing director mm-hmm. to actually founding a company as a partner of the companies to run their entire outsource operation where I'm hired SEO analysts, pay-per-click marketers, social media marketers, relationship managers, hired and trained lead generation staff on the phone to actually generate business leads to, to sell services to, and then hired and trained the actual sales reps to sell to the leads that were generated by the lead generation services. So um, new business generation, uh, client relationship management and retention and implementation. I built and engineered the whole systems to grow what became the largest digital agency in Western Australia, which is Digital Monopoly. And under their umbrella, they've got the SEO company, um, Nutwork, and Perth Web Design. So that was a, a huge uh, success for me. I ended up in that role for, for three years after I actually owned uh, the, the, the white label business mm-hmm. and have recently exited actually passing up a, an offer to have 10% ownership in the company as well as very generous um, remuneration for, for running that um, for the business that really handled most of the business to be quite fair um, to, to, to continue with a, a, a new arena that I see emerging which is, you know, it's not super new but it kind of is which is podcasting and, and also from a deep desire of mine to really start to help new entrepreneurs, new business people understand how to, to, to shape their marketing and really grow their audiences because I see that as the arena that's emerging where we need to learn how to 
um, develop proprietary audiences, grow those relationships, grow the audiences, serve the audiences with unique and valuable content that actually helps them and then have a small percentage of that audience always becoming customers so that it massively reduces the need for paid traffic. Um, and that's how I am now the tropical entrepreneur. Wow. That's a, that's a ma- How many times have you given that introduction? <laughs> a few. That's crazy. I mean, uh, very eloquently said, and I'm pretty sure I got all of it. You, know, you said it very well, and that's that's incredible, man. I mean, obviously your story is incredible, but uh, yeah, I'm quite blown away by uh, how well and smoothly you ran through that. Uh, very inspiring stuff. So there's there's so much to get out of that, really. Do you consider yourself an internet marketer? Do you consider yourself a marketer at all anymore? What what do you what do you kind of call yourself if you had to give yourself a job title? Uh, I'm looking to, I believe, we start to call myself an audience development professional. Oh, okay. Well, what does that mean? So I believe that what is critical now for marketers, and, and it's definitely an area of marketing, uh, that what is so important for businesses to start to understand is that going forward into this new digital future which is only going to become more and more digital as time continues on mm-hmm. it's absolutely essential that they grow an audience that they have an ongoing relationship with and become very focused on ensuring that that audience knows likes and trusts them and looks forward to their communications coming out essentially keeping the audience's attention. Okay, that's awesome. I, I really resonate with that very strongly. A few years ago, I developed a, uh, a system to basically explain how simple marketing could really be, branding and marketing. And, and it all came down to, um, it, I basically even called it the MAL system, uh, which was message audience language. And the reason I specifically used that terminology was not just to you know, sound different to this concept of uh, niche market, but to really emphasize the point that when you use that particular kind of language of calling your niche market an audience as opposed to just customers or clients, you start to appreciate the fact that you're, um, what you're doing is that you're actually serving them an experience, not just a product or a service. And that then you know, takes the, uh, the value base of what you're doing to a whole new level, I guess. How do you, so we spoke about this a bit on our con- in our conversation on your show. How, do you, how have you consolidated this idea of the commodity versus value kind of place of um, approaching marketing when, you're, when you've been so used to immersing yourself with people who are teaching you to just basically develop really, really quick mechanisms to make money, flip them, leave, sometimes in an ethical fashion, sometimes not so much, and just move on to the next thing. Whereas obviously I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you say that you're an audience development professional, that takes time, that takes nurturing, it takes, you know, you really want to um, devote a bit of attention to it. It's not just about getting the quickest thing up and flipping the dollars as quickly as possible. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, very much so. And I'm, I'm really, really glad you, you've said that, Dev, because it's, it's a really important area to discuss. And, and yes, developing an audience does take time and it does take work and it does take a lot of planning and a lot of strategy and figuring out which medias you're going to use and, and trying to consolidate your message um, across the board uh, so that, you know, you're communicating fairly unified. Hmm. Um, I guess, though, to answer the question and try to not go around the question, 
Um, I, I noticed that a lot of marketers that did quite well or, or appeared to be doing quite well sometimes perhaps weren't or other times did very well for a, a period of time and then burned their whole customer base and had to start again. Um, and I, I, I think I just saw through for some reason, I mean, I, I'd come from a family that had grown a very large home improvement business and luckily um, my, my father was one of my really big mentors in my life. He, he had this focal point that you customers deserve to be treated with nothing but absolute excellence. Mm. Um, that, you know, the customers are, are everything in the business and they need to be shown a great experience. They need to tr be able to trust you. They need to know that you, you're telling them the truth. They need to constantly feel value and cared for. And I just saw through the short-sightedness view of flipping units and, and, and moving on. And it had just always been really important to me that I would grow a, a, a strong long-term relationship with a large segment of, of the market that I could be helping and assisting and growing. And Digital marketing appealed to me with that, especially traffic SEO and paid search, because it is a long-term relationship. And and what I started to learn through running these digital agencies is sometimes even more important than getting great results for the clients, and eventually it ends up results, absolutely, but often more important than that is the experience that the clients are having through working with you, essentially becoming your audience with ongoing relationship management calls, the way on-site reports are explained, the way ranking reports and traffic reports are explained, and the care that's taken to continually educate them through the process as their business evolves in the digital marketing space. And I realized that was all about audience development in, in some ways, not as much as you know the email list and and the social media um, followers and friends that is a big part of audience development. Mm. It's more direct and one-on-one, and, and -on -one, sometimes one-on-group. Um, and I, I just realized that, that the, the long-term view with building an audience was just so much more important. And even though it might take a little bit longer, the value to businesses, be you, you're an entrepreneur or a thought leader, a mid-sized business or a large-cap business, is tenfold the value of you know, the, the burn and churn type of viewpoint. Does that answer your question, Dev? Uh, it, it does. So what I'm hearing is that really it comes down to your personal values were conflicted with that idea of um, churn and burn, as you just said, uh, which, which is fine. It's cool. I like to play devil's advocate on my show. And whilst I completely agree with you personally, I'm wondering the person listening to this, you know, whether maybe they're stuck in traffic or they're getting ready for a nine to five job or they're getting ready to, you know, go online and do something other than check their email and Facebook and probably still that's what they're going to end up doing. <laughs> they're thinking, they're listening to this and they're thinking, well, that's all well and good because, you know, you can say it'll quote unquote help you sleep better at night. But those people that you're saying are churning and burning are still making millions of dollars. So what's the benefit? What's the advantage of not just churning and burning? What's the benefit of actually focusing on developing your audience sure and and sometimes they are and, and the reality is those guys that are churning and burning they, they've they do have an audience they've got a huge audience and that's their email list so with an audience the email list is always the central focus point of audience creation mm -hmm. and surrounding their email list are all the mediums that you're using to put your audience onto that email list 
Um, so, you know, we've got seekers, we've got amplifiers, and we've got joiners. Seekers are the people that we don't have any ability to kind of communicate with. However, they can become amplifiers and they can become joiners. These are the people that are coming across our, our content all the time. And, you know, we want to try and capture them. So we need multiple mediums to be bringing these seekers to, to see what we've got. Amplifiers are influencers, people that can spread our messages far and wide, much further than we ever could and can bring a lot of seekers to us and can also bring joiners to us. Mm-hmm. Joiners are the people that are actually on our email list. Um, they're, out, they're following us on social media. They're um, listening to us on podcasts. These are the people that are most critical to us because they've decided to hang around. They've decided to give us permission to, you know, be in, in communication with them. One, to deliver valuable content, but, but two, to deliver our offers, to deliver our sales pitches, to deliver our products and wares to, to them. As long as we're, you know, keeping up our end of the bargain, which is also helping them with good, useful and valuable content. So the reality is that those those guys that are making millions of dollars even though they've decided in some cases and not all cases to to go with the burn and churn model often not at all often they're delivering a lot of value through their blog through their video blogging through podcasting as well um they have a very large audience and that's how they're making millions of dollars whatever they're saying underneath that if you look closely they've got a large email list and that's why they're able to move so many units so even though I'm taking a slightly different approach from it, they are also audience builders. Okay, so where does the churn and burn come into it then? Churn and burn comes more from the perspective of, um, you know, just really with not, not paying, uh, I guess, value or homage to the fact that you don't only want to sell, sell, sell to your market. Gary Vaynerchuk's done a really excellent book recently, uh, which is, is very social focused. What I'm talking about goes into a little bit more than social. However, I'll use his terminolo- terminology to explain what I mean. So he talks about the jab, 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 right hook, which mm-hmm. means give value, give value, give value, present an offer. Yep. So what you'll often find with the burn and churn models is, and you get a lot of guys that are building big audiences through solo lists, solo emailing and solo ads and stuff like this and click banking and, and I'm talking about sharing and swapping subscribers here with click banking, not the actual digital marketplace. All they're doing is just constantly getting people to opt in to new squeeze pages or driving affiliate offers, they're not actually really trying to recognize a target market, a target segment, a customer avatar, working out what that customer avatar's absolute ideal final outcome is, what transformation they're looking to achieve, and then working backwards from that transformation and saying, okay, this is this is what will happen exactly before they get that transformation. That's a roadblock. That's something they're going to have to learn and overcome. And then maybe coming back through five, six, or maybe even ten roadblocks or, or more, however many major big roadblocks, obstacles they're going to need to overcome. And then working out, okay, how am I going to provide them content either in the form of podcasts, videos, blog posts, micro-content, um, you know, interviews, whatever they are that are going to help them solve those roadblocks as the useful content that I'm going to give away and deliver four pieces of that content for every offer that I'm also, that I'm going to present to my audience. 
And when I am going to present affiliate offers to my audience, I'm going to make sure that those affiliate offers that I'm going to present to my audience are very relevant to what they're seeking. I'm going to vet them. I'm going to make sure that they're going to actually really help my audience achieve the transformation that they're looking for. So it's just a mindset shift from being completely money, sales, and revenue focused to still being money, sales, and revenue focused. In fact, potentially even more so at a deeper level because long term you make a lot more money than someone who's just producing offers because your audience continues to grow mm. um, and then, you know, than if you were doing the burn and churn. So the burn and churn is really just – the difference is one one group of thought is just – hit them with as many offers and sales pitches as you possibly can to maximize the ROI and the lead while their attention is high. The other school of thought is try and foster, nurture, and build the relationship whilst the attention may not remain as high as over the first 14 days, for example. You can get it higher and higher and higher through really building celebrity positioning in the marketplace through delivering high value and goodwill to the marketplace. Okay, wow, awesome. You, you've pretty much, I think, in less than five minutes wrapped up the formula for internet marketing. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it pretty much sounds like, um, or at least in terms of developing an information product and putting it out there and what you do with it. Um, that, that really sums it up. I think it also emphasizes the fact that what we were talking about by email recently and uh, in our conversation on your show as well, which is that uh, people have this perception that, um, you know, the the way that you go about success in internet marketing is very, very complicated, but it's, you know, once you understand it, it's very easy. And that mindset gives a real opening for people to sell a whole bunch of information products. Some of them work, some of them don't, but what they don't tell you is that it's actually very, very difficult because there are so many different moving parts, but it's actually all quite linear. So it's actually not that complex. It's actually very simple, but it's certainly not as easy as people are um, convinced that it is when the time comes for you know them to whip out their credit card and buy something. Uh, would you would you agree with that? The simple yeah, versus. Absolutely. There, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, when when you draw, for example, out what I just said on a, on a whiteboard, and you show it, you know, in in blocks and lines and smiley face with outcome versus sad face that hasn't <laughs> achieved the result yet. <laughs> yeah. The the business looks a lot easier than than it is in reality because when you're actually putting the site up and then getting the sales copy written and then writing the emails and plugging mm. the autoresponder into... Testing the, everything. Yeah, testing everything, getting a merchant facility live and, and working and, and finding partners and, and actually tracking earnings per click. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into it. But I think if if they could just... If people can just focus on the, the, the core principles of finding you know something that that appeals to them that they feel that they they could teach or they could at least learn to really love teaching or or some kind of product you know physical product that they really enjoy building a business around that they could build e-commerce around it's it's you know it's 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 pretty much the same um then you know figure out get get the site up get the copy written plug in a merchant facility right you know, an, in, an indoctrination series or a few emails that tell your market what you're about, mm-hmm. why you're doing this, what you're against, what value they're going to get from being part of your, your tribe or your audience or your community, and then focus on getting the products into people's hands and delivering, you know, um, three times more value than the sales pitches that you that you try and deliver. 
then you, you will experience success much faster than continuously trying to learn new systems and follow new um, you know gurus and experts with, with the latest thing that there's core fundamentals that, that always found out the foundation under any internet marketing business and they're, and they're pretty the same pretty much the same it's you know find an audience figure out what their problems and pains are build a product that's going to fit fulfill those products or at least wireframe a product you don't even have to build it initially mm. to figure out what those pains and products are create some messaging meaning your sales copy your sales letters your videos your emails that help communicate the fact that you want to solve their, their, their pains and problems prove that you can get it converting and then create the product in full once you've got a 1 or 2% conversion rate it, it is really you've got an interesting way of saying it there which is I think it's it's simple, not easy. How do you say that exactly? Well, I mean, it, it's simple, but it's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And people think that it's quite the opposite, that it's uh, very, very complex. But once you understand the complexity of it, it should be very easy. And, you know, I've personally come across a lot of uh, trainers and gurus and things who have uh, tried to really put a lot of stigma around this concept of hard work and saying that, you know, if, if you're working really, really hard and struggling, then the problem is with you. And I agree with that to some extent, you know, being being a coach and coming from uh, psychotherapeutic modalities like NLP and a whole bunch of other stuff, I do agree that everything starts with your mindset. And if you're overcomplicating something or you're getting stuck in a rut of just constantly learning new things and not moving forward, then yeah, sure, you need to take responsibility for it. But that doesn't mean that everything is easy by default and you shouldn't have to um, or you should look for the easiest way out of something um, just well look for look for turning everything that would otherwise be difficult into easy and if it's not easy enough then just move on to the next thing and I think that's what people do they look at something and if it's if it's either too simple um, for them to really feel like they're doing something worthwhile they'll ignore it because they'll think well this is too simple so it can't be true it can't be as valuable as uh, as, as what you're saying I mean I can I can pretty much guarantee everyone listening to this right now, if you just take what Josh has just told you and has just spoken about that exact system and formula, and if you just stick with it and you develop that literally just based on this one conversation, you will at least make a few thousand dollars very, very, very simply. doesn't mean you won't have to work hard for it. You'll still have to rack your brains and, and you know, you, you may have to do some extra study, but... Honestly, if you just go and study, you know, a few articles that teach you the fundamentals of copywriting and then just follow that structure that Josh just laid out, that's that's really enough, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the great thing is, Dev, if they can do that and they can follow that and they can get their first few thousand dollars, it then from there starts to become a lot easier and a lot less work to start to scale that because you've already built the, the digital assets up, you've built the systems, now you've just got to start plugging in more products and more sales copy. You're listening to The Life Optimized Show with Dev Singh. If you're enjoying the show so far, remember to leave a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. You can also keep up with all the episodes and show notes over at thelifeoptimizedshow.com. Yeah, so let's talk about mindset. If it is so simple, why is it so difficult for people to do this? Why is it so? Why do people always chase after um, more complex things, or why are they so easily distracted by the bright and shiny objects when 
the answers are just they're here you don't even have to pay anything for them yeah i i think and i'm gonna i'm gonna answer this question there's two things i want to want to say here because i want to go back to something um you said earlier about you know where people are saying it, it sometimes it's you it doesn't have to be so hard mm-hmm. um and okay so before i say that sometimes it's you it doesn't have to be so hard i'll answer you this current question i i call it something i think it's something called like superstar syndrome um mm-hmm. People want to be, and and it takes a while to get over this mindset. I definitely had this for a, a long while. People want to be the, the the creator, the the person that's come up with the complexities. One of the problems that I often have with sometimes um, people that have uh, that I've known. This often happens more with people that I've known closely. That not as much with people that are very focused on the internet marketing world and and want to learn and have already developed themselves. But people that haven't and see what I do and want to learn what I do. They, when I start to refer them to, to resources to, to study them, they don't want to take the time to study them and they want to, instead of following what I've told them will work, they want to create what will work themselves. Um, like with writing copy, for example, they, they think that they'll write copy better anyway just themselves than going and say, for example, studying the ultimate sales letter by Dan Kennedy or yeah. going and handwriting some of the best sales letters in the world and then reading them out loud in front of the mirror three times over to get used to the flow. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I think that that comes from an, an innate in, in, in need to be the person that came up with the amazing concept and which I guess comes down to looking at more Eastern philosophies, the, the ego, you know, but not not meaning that it's bad to have high self-worth. You should definitely have high self-worth and love yourself and think you're great and all that stuff. But the ego is the more the, the kind of the naughty voice that wants to control you, wants to manipulate you, wants you to, you know, think that you've got to be better than everyone else and that you shouldn't learn from anyone else and, and things like that. So I think that gets in the way often. Um, but then just to go back to that previous question about some experts that say sometimes that the problem is you. And again, I, I've been through all these things and I'm sure you have as well, Dev. Um, trying to do it all yourself is just so unnecessary. Um, I'm not a developer and I'm not a designer either. Mm. However, I can get really nice design knocked up for hardly any money and make it look, you know, they don't know whether I did it or who did it. It's just part of my brand. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to knock up. I mean, I can tweak around with WordPress and I can add plugins and I can get Infusionsoft plugged in and I can make it work. But there are things like lead pages now, a few clicks and you've literally got a squeeze page up. Then if you've got the copy skills, Mm. you know, you plug in some fill the blanks sections and and you're ready to go. You just don't have to do it all yourself. You you know, I've got an Infusionsoft guy that does some stuff for me. His brand name slips my mind now. I think it's called uh, Insightful Automation, his, his brand name is. And he knocked me, did all my affiliate um, stuff inside Infusionsoft. He um, created some custom templates. He plugged some things in. He, he did quite a bit of work and it ended up costing me like $70. His price wow. was $5 an hour or something. Um, that's another quick quick tip. So, sometimes per hour rates, which I used to avoid a lot, end up a lot cheaper than um, priced complete priced projects so mm-hmm. test that as well but but yeah go and you know go on odesk go on fiverr start getting people to do things for you instead of trying to do it yourself that that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks you can get over 
at the same time, you've also got to get some knowledge about WordPress. You've got to have a really simple understanding of how HTML works so that you can add images when you want to. Um, you need to learn how to use the interface inside WordPress or pick some kind of CMS. Um, you need a little bit of coaching on how Infusionsoft or your autoresponder works. Um, but uh, yeah, so does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's really interesting. So you, I mean, we, we've kind of transitioned into um, talking about mindset a little bit here as well. And we've decided to call this episode uh, op- Optimizing Your Freedom Lifestyle and the Realities of Internet Marketing. So we've talked a bit about the realities of internet marketing. Um, and I think we've talked about them quite well. Freedom lifestyle is a term that you're really passionate about. So you alluded to earlier that you live in Thailand and you're, you're, you know, you're in Bangkok right now, right? Yes. Yes. I yeah, um, but obviously everyone listening can probably tell you're an Aussie. Um, I know for a fact that you uh, grew up in Sydney. So that what? What? Yeah. So what took you to? What took you to Thailand? Or uh, more appropriately, maybe you know I should ask what inspired you to just um, be location independent. And I know we spoke about this just before we started recording that the idea of location independent is a little bit different to your idea of freedom lifestyle. What is the difference? Why do you care about it? And uh, what's, what's your take on this whole, um, this whole idea of, uh, of freedom lifestyle? Sure. So for, for me, freedom lifestyle can, can break up in, into really three things. Uh, it can be someone that wants to you know, become location independent and travel the world while they're building their business up. So you know, literally be traveling and, and growing their business at the same time. And it's very, very, very possible. It's not as hard as... It's often made to sound when you're focusing on the, you know, the core fundamentals. So another aspect of the freedom lifestyle could be someone that doesn't really want to travel the world, but they just want to be able to hang out at home with their family, have more time to just go out and, and play sports or, or play video games or do whatever they love and spend a few hours a day building their online business, but just have freedom in their own hometown. And then the third kind of person is the person that has a business but they've become chained to their business. So they're literally, and, and I've been this person as well, in the office 12, 15 hours a day, um, just constantly working, working weekends as well, working at night as well, even after the 12-hour day. And they want to really start to design systems and processes and teams uh, that can start to take some of the, the load off their hands and, and, and I guess get themselves okay with the mindset that it's okay to do that as well and they want to get more freedom from their business so that they can start to work a lot less, take more vacations and longer holidays without worrying that things are going to explode and, and feeling safe in the hands of the experts and superstars that they've left their business with. Hmm. Um, so they, those are the three kinds. So you've got yeah, the person who wants to travel the world and do their business, the person that wants to hang around at home and have lots of free time with their business, and then the person that wants to get freedom from the business they've already got. Okay, and, and which one were you? Um, I'm all of them. <laughs> okay. How, how did you, tell me about that. How did you get there? Um, okay, so I started off wanting to be the person that wanted the, 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 to hang around at home and, and be able to chill with friends and family more and, and have the online business like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that desire led me to end up working for digital agencies to get the knowledge to hang around at home. During that period, I realized I had a, a love and a passion for, for travel and I, I started to, to travel. 
Okay. Um, originally actually teaching some English as a bit of a break from, from, from work and mm-hmm. realized that their, the digital marketing agencies and real estate businesses and sales roles existed that you could work while you were traveling and then learned that I could start and then I actually ended up having my own big business over here which I was chained to literally 12 to 15 hours a day at many times right. and I actually got that business through whilst I was still there to the point where whilst you know there was stuff that I could do if I wanted you know extra training for my sales team jump on some calls for them I got it to the point where there was very very little for me to do to really have that business running all the client relations were managed by other people the implementation was managed by other people the sales people were self-sufficient lead generation staff were self-sufficient I was literally only there to guide and teach and had that business not have had the other partners in it, I, li- I literally could have been on holidays most of the time and not really even had to have been in the office. Mm. Okay, wow. Have you experienced any challenges in that, that, um, uh, that I guess people who glorify this lifestyle tend to ignore or, or deny? Especially people who are selling it, right? Was, I mean, that's one side of it, but then it's quite understandable for someone who's uh, looking into this, you know, maybe they've read Four Hour Work Week, or they've um, they've they've stumbled across people like yourself who are actually doing it. They've been really, really inspired by it, and they think, "Wow, this is too easy. This is amazing," and they miss um, some very, very critical points of um, complexity or difficulty that they're actually going to have to deal with along the way. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's got to be. I think one of the things that people miss is they think that they don't have to have some kind of core skill set that they can offer. Uh Um, I'd really had very strong SEO expertise um, that was that's that's very very valuable to businesses and and very very even maybe even more valuable to agencies. And then I've also got exceptionally developed sales and new business development skills. Okay. So that makes it. You know, those two are a powerful combination. If if you've got really strong sales skills combined with really strong, you know, some kind of tech marketing skills, mm-hmm. it's it's actually very easy to become location independent because you can just throw your your, your um, profile up on Elance or, or start applying for jobs on Elance. Get on the phone, be willing to work. You know, for a, a little bit less than you get in the West, which still remains heaps of money when you're over here. Yeah, and um, turn that into you know slowly turn to a proper business. Yeah, you know it's it's it is easy. It really literally is. You can be making five hundred dollars a week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's definitely enough to live over here within a fortnight. Yeah, you can be making a thousand dollars a week within a month. You can be making five thousand dollars a week within three months. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I was reading a quote uh, just today that I put up um, as my cover pick actually now uh, by Seneca, which is a Stoic philosopher. um, And he said, it's not because things are difficult that we do not dare. It is because we do not dare that things are difficult. And I think there's this heap of fear that people have about um, the unknown and, and the vastness of, you know, what they might be stumbling into if they even think about it. So they don't even bother thinking about it. Yeah, well, one, another thing that I see happen really probably more than anything is that once, you know, people people know often what they should be doing to get the money coming in, but because that's a little bit scarier than continuing to learn and continuing to buy programs, they continue to learn and they continue to buy programs. For example, 
getting on Elance and applying to someone who's looking for an SEO person and then having to maybe get on Skype and actually talk to that person and discuss what you're going to do for them is more scary than studying another SEO course. Hmm. So they go and study another SEO course instead. And the reality is you don't, you don't even need great skills to pick up jobs on Elance or Freelancer because most of the people that are in there are, are doing pretty ordinary work as it is. There are still some, some really good people, but um, if you've got decent English language, even if you don't, but if you, if you do have decent English language and you know some common sense, it's very easy to pick up some work there. To go location independent and really have the freedom lifestyle being the traveling worker here is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The quickest way to do it is to sell some kind of service. And here's the great secret. You don't even need to be the person that develop, delivers that service. You just need to win the work and then you can move the service to someone else and take a percentage on top. Okay. Now, this is really interesting because I've come across a lot of people and I've been one of these people who have thought that there is one way that is better than the other. And usually when they start out, and, and possibly this is because it's one of those things that um, you know a lot of the gurus are successful by, but they're not necessarily teaching the realities of is that if you have an information product, it's much more scalable. Therefore, that's the way to get location independent. But what you're saying is actually the opposite. You're saying delivering a service, but you can. You need to shift your paradigm about it in the sense that it doesn't have to be you that's delivering the service. So therefore, it can actually still be scalable. Um, that, that's really fascinating. You sound like um, you know. You sound like a very very switched on salesperson when you say that. And I know that a lot of people who are um, interested in the, in the freedom lifestyle, let's just call it that for now, um, whether it's location independent or otherwise of those three things that you mentioned, they would consider themselves many things, but a salesperson would be the last. And part of the reason that they are seduced by this notion of internet marketing um, and, and just marketing in general is that they hate sales. They don't want to sell. So you obviously have this place of um, you know, of selling. Do you think that your your background and your experience and your personality as a salesperson helps, or does it just influence the way that you're looking at um, at, at this particular issue? Um, look, so, sometimes I think it helps. De- well, I mean, I definitely know it's helped, but mm-hmm. in other aspects, I think it, it might have hindered as well. Um, so, as I've always come from the perspective of you know wanting to talk to people, or help them make their decisions, and, and I'm a very ethical salesperson in the sense that whenever I'm selling digital marketing. I'm trying to disqualify rather than qualify mm-hmm. very quickly. I want to work out if it's not right for someone so that I can move on and they can move on. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. If, you know, if it is right for them, then then keep going deeper. However, someone that didn't have that sales background that I had that might have been able to focus more on, you know, data analysis and, and really, you know, putting up pages and testing how many times the button got clicked to see if it was viable before they even added a merchant facility and, you know, all this kind of being very data focused and very introverted and really doing everything based off the the demographics and the psychographics and the numbers. Mm -hmm. That person may sometimes have a leg up on the salesperson until it comes time to really uh, scale the business big because without... Without sales skills, you can't train the salespeople to take your business to the next level. I find it very hard to imagine that anyone can get to the five or ten million dollar a year mark without sales skills. Yeah, cool. I, I totally agree with you. 
And I'm, I guess I'm kind of asking myself the question, why is this not obvious to so many people? What do you think? The, the marketing, the marketing uh, hypnotizes them to believe that they don't need that. Okay, how so? Um, I, I just think that, and, and I as well thought for, for a long time that, um, you know, I was hypnotized and seduced by the marketing of a lot of products as well. Mm-hmm. And I came to believe that really there was this much easier, much more simple, much, you know, laid back life that I could lead that didn't, I, I really got quite sick of selling and I don't like cold calling and um, I do like speaking to people that are qualified for a particular product and service and helping them make their decision and then helping them, you know, actually get a product implemented and executed in their business and help them improve their situation. I, I love doing that. Yeah. But I thought there might have been a life where, you know, I didn't even have to do that. I could just have these pages up and they'd be getting lots of sales and I could be, you know, chilling with a coconut in a hammock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and that was very much because of the way the products were positioned and, and sold. But if I went back and I really closely evaluated the sales copy and the sales messages and the videos, really a lot of the time, the marketers were more honest than I realized and they were actually telling you what you were going to have to do and what was involved and what they'd been through and where they'd come from and their backstory and everything they had to do. But for some reason, mind likes to trick you into thinking that it's going to be easier even than the page and the sales message is telling you it is. And yeah, I don't know why that is exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm completely with you there. I think as much as, you know, I, I have this emphasis on talking about exposing the you know, dirty lies and secrets of business education, I think a part of that is also exposing the responsibility that consumers have, the consumers being other businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, typically the aspiring entrepreneur, who wants to become an entrepreneur doesn't really know what it takes and relies on these experts to you know give them that insight into what they need to be doing but then gets seduced by all of this other stuff and yeah like the, the power of our mind is such that you know really no one can seduce us as powerfully as ourselves no one can trick us as powerfully as we trick ourselves uh, and nobody can you know make us look at one thing and ignore another thing that is part of the same package as cleverly as, as our own minds. And a lot of that has to do with, I guess, uh, you know, very underlying uh, belief systems and deeply ingrained kind of um, perspectives of what we believe to be right or wrong. That, you know, we, um, I, I talk about this in a lot in whenever I'm giving trainings around influence, this idea of uh, schematas, that we have these holes in our brain, essentially, where not literally, but in our mind, it's a metaphor. We have these holes in our brain where we look to, you know, put um, we look to put square blocks into square holes. We look to put cylindrical blocks into uh, circles. We look to put triangular blocks into triangles, just like a kid would play with, you know, uh, blocks of different shapes, identifying which one goes where. The problem is, is that when you have something that's just a little bit off, as opposed to thinking that, oh, okay, I need to create a new hole for this or I need a new shape for this, what we do is we try and squeeze it and chip away at it and you know, really um, do everything we possibly can in our power to change the shape of the actual block so that it fits into the hole that we already have in our brain, as opposed to creating space for saying that, well, maybe this is a completely new idea and I shouldn't just try and cram this into my current paradigm of how the world should work. Um, so that's, that's a metaphor that I tend to go with and, you know, it, it makes sense to a lot of people and it makes sense about a lot of people 
and how people look at this um, in the way that they do a lot of things in life and entrepreneurship in general, not just internet marketing or um, or things to do with a freedom lifestyle. But really, I think pretty much all entrepreneurship is about freedom lifestyle. Otherwise, you know, why, why would you be an entrepreneur if you didn't want to have the freedom to have the kind of lifestyle that you want, which basically means to be able to choose what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And and what that really comes down to for, for most entrepreneurs when they're building their businesses is being a lot more purposeful from, from the beginning and trying to really be super, super honest with yourself about the and realistic to some extent, but then on another hand as well, allowing your mind to run quite wild. Um, but being super honest about how how much free time do you want? Where do you want to live? Where's the best place to live? Where, where would you really love to be? Who do you want to have around you? Um, what kind of things do you want to be involved with? What do you be learning? What do you want to be growing in? What do you want to be improving in? What kind of services do you want to provide? And, and I guess to break that down to a more simple kind of uh, formula is, okay, let's say that the first service you were going to provide was going to be coaching or something like that. How much money do you need to have that lifestyle that you want to to begin with? So let's just say that it's $2,000 a week, for example. Mm-hmm. And you can develop a, a skill that, um, you know, or you've got a skill that you can provide and you're going and, and you're always most people are always a little bit further ahead than someone else that they can teach and they can help pull up to, to where they are and people will happily pay for that yep. and let's say you're going to charge a thousand dollars a month for for one hour sessions uh, a, a month so one hour one one hour session a week to 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 coach and provide the skill set to to deliver this service and help this person get this transformation how many clients do you need to bring on to get to achieve that that freedom level you know so if it's if it's two thousand dollars a week and you're charging a thousand dollars a month for the four one-hour sessions mm-hmm. then you need um, you need eight clients right yep so the first thing you want to go about doing is trying to find those eight clients so put the sales page up figure out what the service is charge a thousand dollars and a thousand dollars is very very you know there's so many people that can easily pay that to to help themselves achieve that next level that they want to get to. So that's the, the person that's just looking for freedom, and that and that could be coaching could be replaced with a service that works for both the person who's looking for the freedom at home lifestyle and the travel freedom lifestyle. Mm. The other person that's already in the business for you, it's actually easier because you've already got revenue, you've already got your systems built, you're already getting products, you're already selling stuff out out the door probably already got an income you're pretty happy with. You just need to start creating SOPs or standard operating procedures. That, and, and you can even have your team members that are already in there build these and that, that someone can literally come into your business, read and start work with a little bit of help from a, from a team member. And then you've got to start to put team leaders in that can manage your, your, your people and ideally some kind of quality control process that checks the team leader and so the team leader checks the staff and then the quality control person checks the team leader on a spot check at random to make sure that the work's still being done properly hmm. and then you need to put in a manager to manage all of those people um, and, and every system and process needs a standard operating procedure and needs to be really looked at pulled apart decompartmentalized reconstructed and rebuilt to ensure that it's get and continually optimized to ensure that everything's continually improving 
and that there are people in place to manage those systems and processes. And you, of course, need to stay in the business until you can see that it's all working and then slowly start to take more and more time off and allow your team members to take more and more responsibility and trust them to take that responsibility and just see what happens. If it starts to break a little bit, quickly come back and re-correct it and keep running through that process until eventually you get to a point where you've worked yourself out of a job. And that's sometimes a mindset thing that you need to be comfortable to allow your business to be grown by other people's hands. It's your baby. You know, you love it. You want to be the one guiding it and directing it. If you want freedom, you need to become comfortable with letting that go. Wow. That's amazing. It sounds like there's... I just love the way that you break this down in such a simple fashion and something we're both really passionate about, um, as, as you alluded to before the show started, uh, was business systems. And that's essentially what you're talking about here. So you've given a really good rundown of what people need to be thinking about in terms of systemizing their business. And, you know, I like to really say that you're, the best exit strategy is when you can get to a point where you can really literally package your business into a box and hand it over to someone else and have it run very smoothly and then you know that you've gotten to a point where you can leave or at least start leaving. What gets in the way of that? Why I see so many people, including my clients as well, who just get stuck in this, um, in this position of thinking that they're going to become business owners, but just basically end up becoming self-employed. So they really just end up buying themselves into a job, even if that's not what they intended initially. And you and I know that it's really because they haven't focused on business systems. Um, they're you know, they're really not optimizing their systems at all. But what gets in the way of that for the average person in terms of their mindset or, um, or, or lack of skills or lack of education? Yeah, great, great question, Dev. Um, and I think really it's, it's, it's a couple of things. One of the mindsets huge, like that's just massive. People just really get it, you know, you know, they're stuck in this mindset that if you want a job, a good job done, you've got to get it done yourself. Hmm. Um, you know, you hear people saying that a lot, and as soon as I hear that, those kinds of words coming out of people's mouths, I know they're, you know, they're a, they're a self-employed person. They're they're very much in the mindset of the technician. Um, so that that's one set. It's the mindset and starting to really try and get yourself to believe that there are people that can even get the job done better than you can, and be really starting to look for people that can get the job done better than you can, and be happy to have those people on board. So it, the, the mindset thing is, is, is one aspect. The second aspect is poor recruitment processes. So what will often breed that mindset is recruiting people that don't get a good job done and then that um, further reinforces your belief that to get a good job done, you've got to get the job done yourself. However, if you hired superstars that are better at getting the job done than, than, than you are, and, mm -hmm. and almost always in all cases these people exist, um, then you would find absolute tremendous freedom and excitement and exhilaration in seeing someone that you hand the role, take it, run with it, and just do amazing things with it, things that sometimes were beyond what you could even envision. And that's what happens when you put superstars to work. So, And that comes back to, I, I think, as well, your recruitment processes and not just hiring people because you like them, but really being disciplined about checking two or three re uh, references, having a very thorough recruitment process that asks a lot of questions and really you know, thoroughly get to know someone and what they're about and what their values are. Uh, I can't um, 
recommend highly enough the, the value of doing psych tests and not just doing the test but actually reading all of the information that comes back and making decisions based on it. We had this one guy that did a, a psych test that was coming on board to be a um, to be a, a team leader for the lead generation department and okay. his psych test actually said this guy is going to get bored and he's going to leave, like summed up, that's what it said. Wow. And um, myself and the general manager decided let's give the guy a shot anyway. Within mm-hmm. a month he was gone, bored and gone and everybody could see that he was bored. So his psych test was bang on. Another aspect is don't hire people without not and I'm not talking about a, a three month trial here I'm talking about a one day evaluation where they're actually doing the work so if you're hiring a salesperson put them on the phone and make them sell before you even hire them or make them at least get some appointments someone can tell you that they're the best salesperson in the world and they seem great in the interview then it's time to hit the phone and they won't even pick the phone up you know or it takes ages to pick the phone up or they just they just don't have they don't really have sales skills Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same, be it for an SEO analyst, for a, you know anything, or an engineer for that matter. Um, really having very, very solid re- recruitment skills um, to put to, to find those superstars and, and let them go to work. Um, and when you find the superstars, that will reinforce the, the the shadow belief that there are people that can get the job done, and I don't have to do it all myself. There is a way to make that happen. And if you reinforce that belief, and you start to see that happen then that helps develop the mindset further that you know that systems can be built um, and and that's really a, 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 a really amazing place to reach in your entrepreneurial career okay wow that's that's really useful I'm, I'm curious I alluded to this idea of schematas and you know holes in our brain as I called it <laughs> in a very innocent sort of way um, you've obviously been influenced growing up a lot by various factors and and growing up in your career and even growing up as a child. uh, You alluded to something a little bit earlier as well. And I want to ask you uh, a question that I typically reserve for, um, you know, when I'm on a date with an attractive girl. (laughs) Let's talk about your father. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, how does my father relate to our relationship, Dad? So, the, the Tin Man. Yeah, right? right. So what uh, what would you specifically like to know about uh, Stephen Denning? Um, so you, you, you alluded to him a little bit as a very successful entrepreneur. Um, mm. You mentioned that, you know, he had this amazing focus on customer service and customer excellence, which um, I, I think is brilliant. I really, really have learned to appreciate the value of that. I'd like to know how it influenced you to become, you know, an entrepreneur or a salesperson yourself as well, because... Something I'm really fascinated by is this idea that growing up, we put our parents on a pedestal and we just think they're perfect. And then as we grow older, uh, the reality sets in that they're not perfect. They're people just like everyone else. And this is something that I you know, have discussed many times um, on various episodes. And we come to terms with that. And then you know, whether it's a good relationship, a healthy relationship or otherwise, we have a lot of influence that we take from them one way or another. And I find a lot of people in the entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship space have this ongoing underlying mission to what they do. Certainly not the only mission, but it's part of their mission to either live up to their parents' expectations and standards or to get out of their parents' shadow. So I'm wondering, have you had any of those kind of experiences with your uh, dad being so successful? Um, look, I, I think definitely, yeah. So, uh, And I also had the... Um 
the feeling as a as a younger person and as a teenager whilst we, we definitely rubbed against each other in the wrong way at, at many times because he has quite a direct way of doing business whereas I'm a bit more um, still still direct but I can also be indirect and very uh, what's the word intuitive to, to, to people's feelings and making sure people feel comfortable and safe and happy and things like that whereas he can be more liable to kind of ruffle people a little bit and get oh, okay. them feeling quite the opposite to help them grow which mm-hmm. it's the same outcome often but it's just a different approach so that sure. we, we, rub, we banged against each other a little bit on that for a while and, and I too came to the realization as well that he is also just a, a human being whilst he's been a very good business human being that, that there, he's just, just a man like everybody like you know like me like you like all other men hmm. um, so but I think I, I definitely did want to um, probably without having even realized it make him proud and I think that's why I was driving so hard at a younger age but at a certain point I because I, I very rarely got that recognition I don't think um and at a certain point, because I didn't, which I'm kind of happy I didn't, it allowed me to shift from doing it for, for him and, 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 and I guess my family to doing it for me and for the greater good of the people that I was serving in the marketplace. And that's my, my entrepreneurial ability leaps and bounds when it, that, that, that shift happened. So that was really important. Um, but another thing about him that I, that I will mention that was I, I learned from him, which I realized was really important in so few businesses as I'm getting out more and more into companies and consulting and, and helping businesses grow their, their revenue and their sales teams and, and, and everything like that. They, he had an absolute um, dedication to the training and development of his, his team members. So there was a, and this is going to be quite difficult to commit to, but there was a, a one-hour training session at least once a week 10-minute practice drill rehearse every day before you'd go out and, and actually start your sales calls and, and things like that. And then, you know, 10-minute PDR re- review of actually reviewing what happened so that there's wow. this constant training and development going on. And um, their, their closing rates were like three or four times higher than number two in Australia. So he, he, his home improvements business was number one in, in the Southern Hemisphere, so across Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. For, for for revenue numbers and, and, and deals sold and um, homes found, supplied and erected in, in terms of the, the actual aluminum siding, um, double glazed windows and doors and things like this, extensions too. Okay. So that 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 was a huge thing that, that I think shaped me and, and has allowed me to, when I get into a business, to start to grow their teams Having been around that from such a young age, it's kind of hardwired, I think, into me to be able to instinctively know what a salesperson or a sales team or, or, or any team members for that matter need to be taken to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, I think, went down two tracks there, maybe split away from your question a little bit. Um did 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 you get an answer at the same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it's a it's a bit of a confrontation, uh, confronting question for a lot of people. And something I know about, or something I've gathered about you intuitively, is that you're a very methodical person. You like that kind of structure, even though at the same time there's a very very deep intuitive part of you as well. Um, and certainly in your interviews that I've heard on your show, which is excellent by the way, I recommend everyone check it out at tropicalentrepreneur.com. Um, your Deb's interview as well, really, oh, especially really. mine, absolutely. <laughs> um, all four parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you have this very, you have a very pragmatic approach. You have a very, you know, straightforward, linear kind of um, attitude about you, uh, which, which I respect and I admire. But at the same time, there's probably something which I haven't really heard you talk about too much in your other interviews with people, um, which is this deeper, introspective, meditative kind of part of you. Um, and and I'm, I'm assuming that a part of that led you to Southeast Asia as well. But uh, well, you actually... Dev, lo- Dev, I lost you for, <clears throat> from the point where you said, uh, I haven't heard you talk too much in other people's interviews. Okay, I'll just say that again. I haven't heard you talk about this too Hang much on, in other... I've got to start. There. Oh, you're, you're recording, sorry, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, I'm yep. recording. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you're a podcaster. You lose track of his recording. I, I had the same issue when uh, I was on your show. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so there, there's this thing that I haven't heard you speak about very much in other people's show, which I find absolutely fascinating, that despite coming across as having a very pragmatic, um, bottom line oriented, systematically focused kind of attitude about you, you do have this very introspective and meditative side. In fact, you actually spent a month in a Buddhist temple where you learned to meditate for like an hour or two at a time. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm guessing that had something to do with you leading yourself to Southeast Asia and kind of exploring yourself. What's the deal with that? Like what happened? And how did you get to that point? That's pretty intense. A month in a Buddhist temple and meditating for an hour or two at a time. I know a lot of people who are very much into meditation who don't do that. They just, they don't have the discipline. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's a side that I, I don't reveal uh, very often and, and not because I don't want to, just because the opportunity rarely arises and uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't don't talk about it heaps. Um, I think one of the aspects is is the other side of, of of my raising, which was obviously my mother, and she was a very spiritual person, um, and and not religiously, but, but religiously as well, but kind of not at the same time. Like she was into light workers and Osho and um, Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and Louise Hayes, and um, she got me into those kinds of books at a very very young age, really young. I'm like, I mean it. At 14 years old, I'd, I'd read all three of the Neil Donald Walsh Conversations with God book books, mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time, on the other hand, with a with a rich dad, poor dad, think and grow rich, um, you know Dale Carnegie and, and and hundreds of other books that I was reading. So it was this very um, pragmatic business revenue. Let's get wealthy. Um, invest and grow big businesses approach, and in and and another hand of me was let's levitate and become <laughs> you know monks and reach nibbana and 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 have this beautiful caring amazing you know rose-colored view of things and um that i i think was probably quite conflicted for a while but as i'm as i'm growing older i realized this new world is very much it's all it's very interconnected and then the two things are both one and the same just got to be very, uh, I think, sometimes careful the way you broach some of those things with some people because some people just aren't, you know, they just don't quiet. No, I think more and more people are ready for it. That doesn't really come up as much now. I think people are, are getting more and more into that kind of thing. And um, somehow that, I believe, influenced me to start seeking out more old like older more ancient religions like buddhism like the vedics and vedic scriptures and texts from you know very very ancient times Hmm. to start to understand creation and how why we're here you know i've got a a very 
another side of me was as if you'd be well wanting to get wealthy and wanting to make a lot of money and wanting to help a lot of people experience freedom part of that is with a desire to study why we're here how we got here what we're meant what we're doing how we were created you know the, the spiritual powers within ourselves and that um, desire to understand those kinds of things led me to meditation to introspection to be more aware of of, of, of self and and what was within um uh, originally it was me actually pushing away from the whole wealth and wondering why we wanted fast cars and big homes and heaps of money and, and business and I, I kind of um turned against that when i was about 18 years old and, and that was my first trip into the the temples and as I've grown and, and, and literally the monks themselves said to me, you know, you need to go out into the world. You need to understand how the world works and to, to really understand Dharma, which is obviously the way of life and the way of things. Hmm. Um, and slowly the two have, have, have blended together and I just realized that meditation and, and, and being more focused, being more centered, being more alert and aware and also compassionate for others is a very, very powerful uh, business skill and center to have as well. Yeah, that's. I, th- I think it's a, such a fundamental uh, paradox almost. I use that word very reluctantly because I don't think it's an actual paradox or um, a dichotomy, I should say, for a lot of people. And I, I've been through it as well. So, you know, I find it difficult to even articulate this concept that you're talking about, you know, you you put it pretty eloquently yourself, but the way that I came to understand how I dealt with this issue was I, I called it the, uh, the king and yogi paradox, where there was a part of me that has always wanted to be a king in the sense of accumulating very, not necessarily materialistic wealth, but tangible wealth, measurable wealth, wealth that was on the outside of, um, of, of sharing with other people uh, in life. And then there was a part of me that was completely on the other extreme, so to speak, supposedly on the other extreme, uh, which was the yogi side, which I really just wanted to go away and introspect and, you know, maybe sit on a mountain and explore myself metaphorically to some extent, but even literally um, in some ways. And, you know, I've had those kind of experiences as well. I didn't necessarily go to Southeast Asia uh, to do that, although I've had my time around, uh, including Thailand as well, there too. Uh, but but I did um, you know move to Europe for three months and that was very much the intention. The intention was to figure out where I sat with that dichotomy, whether it was even real or not, or if it was a false dichotomy, um, mm. and and which part of me was actually more authentic. Was it the king or the yogi? And to be really honest with you and everyone listening to this, it's something that I'm still figuring out. And I worked with a very, very um, excellent coach at the time, Matthew Blom. And, uh, you know, he's still a friend. I'm going to have him on the show uh, very soon as well, uh, who helped me kind of process a lot about myself um, in that time period. And uh, uh, Matthew himself is very, very uh, spiritually exploring um, and just constantly wondering and exploring and asking these questions very powerfully as well. The thing that I did realize that's very relevant to this particular conversation is that this seems to be this phase that everybody in the digital marketing, internet marketing, entrepreneurship space goes through, which is that initially there's an extreme amount of noise and chaos in figuring out what needs to be done to get that all elusive freedom lifestyle that people are always talking about. Everybody wants it. 
a few people get it because they're simple enough to, you know, just do what it takes. But most people get stuck in that extreme, um, just rush of trying one thing after another. And it's a, it's a very, very grinding kind of struggle. And then they get to a point where they say, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to, um, you know, I, I, this is not what life is about. Life is about something deeper, something more. So they'll, for a period of time, completely abandon all of their entrepreneurial pursuits and just basically, you know, um, start being introspective and meditative. And in some ways, it could be seen as a bit of a cop out. And I know a few people, uh, to be honest with you, who have used it as an excuse. And I don't really consider them very spiritual people because, you know, it's just, it's hypocrisy. That's what it is. Mm. And then there seem to be people like yourself who have found this. Uh, you know what, what I would call really magical blessing of really having those two sides of you coexisting and figuring out how to have them in integrity, have them in um, a kind of harmony where you are still able to be a business person, a real business person, not just you know a entrepreneur. Um, and at the same time, you know you're still nurturing your spiritual self as opposed to jumping back and forth between the two. So I have two questions. One is, what do you think it is about the entrepreneurship space, especially in the world of internet marketing, digital marketing, et cetera, et cetera, that creates this kind of uh, dichotomy and creates this kind of reality where people are shifting from one to the other and then back again. And secondly, how do you reconcile the two sides? How do you, how do you live with having these two parts of you? Sure. Um, I really like your uh, your idea of the king and the yogi. I think that's um, a very very interesting uh, metaphor of, of of the way of explaining it. And I, I'm going to think I'm going I'm to try and use that to some extent with how the two can can be reconciled. And I'll sure. do that I guess through a bit of a question, which is, if you um, were going to move to a land where there was you know one I guess supreme ruler that you were going to work under and 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 i guess worship and and have um tend to the lands and tend to the people and and tend to the marketplace and and ensure that everything was running smoothly and everyone was happy and everyone was you know feeling loving and, and filled with gratitude do you think that would be more likely to come from the king that was completely focused on external wealth or the king that was both the king and the yogi Hmm. Um, definitely the king and the yogi. So I think that's that's how I can reconcile the the two because being you know when when you're a business person and you're an entrepreneur you you, you do become responsible for for others and you're responsible for for them for their families their their livelihood for their development for their growth for who they become you know you 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 wield a, a, a huge amount of power as as their leader in in their development and how they feel in themselves and and the way they grow and everything like that so um whilst that wasn't why I, at all i you know I, I began to seek the you know the internal wealth as you so eloquently and lovely put it that's what I've come to discover is a critical element to tending to the people that I'm responsible for in being able to be intuitive and compassionate for them and um, almost, I think, really um, long meditative practice and 
med- uh, walking meditation allows you to almost read minds, and, and not in the sense that you know what people are thinking at all, like you can't directly read their mind, but you, be, you become much more stronger at intuitively sensing the emotional state that they're in, even if they're not showing you that, hmm. and that allows you to more, um, I guess, uh, in a much more effective way, provide what they need at that exact moment in time. So I just think that that in this world that we're all moving into, which has become, I think there are higher vibrations that are in the world right now than there was in the past. I mean, I've looked into the whole thing with the um, the uh, Mayan calendar and the, the real meaning behind that is that it's not an end, it's a start of a new cycle, which is the silver cycle and we've just come out of the bronze cycle and the bronze cycle was a period of time where the energies on the planet were much heavier the vibrations were heavier and more focused on lower chakras in in the sense which could lead to more war and fighting and lack of understanding the silver period is a a period of, of, of higher more highly evolved beings and souls coming back into the planet and having a greater understanding for each other and um, also, you know, moving in, in higher vibrations that are more liable of peace and understanding and, and gathering of knowledge and, and wisdom. Uh, of course, resources like m- money is still very important. So, you, you know, you need to have them to continue that experience. And then, of course, I think, believe in another 26,000 years, we go into the, the gold era, which is supposed to, you know, even higher you know vibrations and frequencies not not that i completely believe that the, the mayan calendar is correct and that that's what's happening but you know it, it, it might be and, and i think that might be why there's a a much larger um homecoming to philosophies that are more perhaps eastern in focus or you know it more esoteric in terms of meditation and understanding of the mind and a holistic approach to spirit and self and mind and body and wealth and love and gratitude and compassion and um i I do believe that we we vibrate we're at at our core we're we're energetic beings we're we're actually we're we're made of energy you know we're more more water and water's made of of molecules and and we're made of atoms and atoms are energy right um and that certain emotions that you can experience um they vibrate at, at higher levels so like gratitude um, and being grateful vibrates at a much higher level than feeling like you know you don't have enough and you're, you're angry and, and you feel like the world owes you something. And, and when we're vibrating at higher levels, it's much easier to, to attract better experiences to ourselves and attract more good things in, in, into our world and into our life. So um, as I've grown with my understanding from very young, you know, going into the temple and, and reading these books and also having the business books, I've come to realize that um, a lot of the entrepreneurs that attract a lot of good to themselves and do a lot of good for the world, sometimes without even sharing that, they're naturally doing a lot of things that meditation and practices of gratitude and things like that make to happen. They're naturally very happy, they're naturally very positive, they're naturally very giving, they're naturally very helpful and actually focused on um, service and all of these things create very high energies which makes it much easier for them to attract wealth and income and resources to themselves and people that want to get involved in their mission and help them push it forward. So um, I guess that was a very long-winded answer to a little bit of a, a peek into you know the philosophy of Josh Denning and why I do the things that I do. Um, 
and uh, and and a little bit of, uh, on my belief system of of what makes a holistic, rounded person, being also a good business person, a good husband or wife, a good um, mentor, a good uh, leader, you know, all these kinds of things. Uh, Josh, I have a big smile on my face right now. That's everything that you've said is just so perfect. I uh, really don't feel the need to um, to you know wrap it up in any particular way. That that was just brilliant, absolutely perfect. And I really hope that um, you, not just for yourself, continue to explore uh, this side of you or, or you know the philosophy of Josh Denning, as you put it, but actually use the platform that you've created to share more of it because I think it is a very important message. I strongly, strongly resonate and agree with it. Uh, I, I think there are so many benefits that um, I'm sure you're already aware of that uh, come from it that people don't pay attention to because they're so distracted by the really loud music and blazing lights of this um, overhyped and ridiculously uh, sensory stimulating a nightclub, which is the world of you know digital marketing and entrepreneurship, um, that they don't really get that chance to put themselves in a position of being on a mountaintop where they can just have a bit of serenity to think about, well, you know, did, did I actually want to be there in the first place? And the only thing I'll add to everything that you've said is a story that I really like sharing with people. And it's been said in various ways and attributed to various people. But I'll just tell you my version, which is that um, a you know very, very uh, successful businessman goes to, um, you know, has a, has a period of struggle and challenge and, and goes to this sage and asks, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling internally and I'm struggling externally. What do I need to do? And the sage says to him, you need to meditate for one hour a day. And he says, oh, that's that's pretty much impossible. I, I'm i really, really busy. You, you don't understand how busy I am. I can't afford to do that. Uh, tell me what, what, what I'm supposed to do. And the sage says to him, oh, well, that's okay. I understand. So what you need to do is you need to meditate two hours a day. <laughs> and yeah, I think people really, really undervalue the importance of really being in touch with your inner self, um, whether you want to call that your spirituality, whether you want to call that your your God or your religion. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that religious myself, but I do believe that there is a certain power of intentionality. Um, as a, a friend of mine, David Novak, uh, uh, was talking about in a, um, in a seminar I attended just yesterday, actually. And there's a real power of being at peace with yourself where it almost seems like there are elements of the universe that want to do business with people who are at peace with themselves. Uh, they don't like doing business with people who are not at peace with themselves because, I don't know, maybe those people are just not as reliable or as trustworthy to do business with at that deeper unconscious energetic level. I think so. I, I think without a, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, without question, and um, I know myself very much now when I'm looking to work with people or um, be it as me as the, the person that's coming on board um, or someone I'm bringing in, in the, into my fold to, to work with me, um, I'm very much looking for the, the subtle frequencies that are, that are taking place you know, within that person and also uh, people that are coming into my life as friends and associates as well and people's energies are very cluttered and very you know disorganized and and, and hyped up and um, stimulated often by 
things, you know, it, it uh, it's very, it becomes very easy to see when you, when you're functioning at a, at an area that's more still, that's more stable, that's more centered. And, um, it makes you a little bit wary, I think. Whereas, as a much younger person, I I didn't wasn't worried about that at all. So, I'm sure the people that are that are that are older than me as well, that are further down the path, that have got better, much better at getting themselves still and be, becoming aware of of their surroundings and and their inner peace, that they would absolutely be making decisions based off of that, you know, invisible frequency that that is visible to some people yeah again i completely agree with you that's definitely a major influence in my decision making as a um, as a leader in, in business and in life in general and that's what i've noticed of the people who i work with who are actually very successful who do actually have the results that they speak about um they're yeah they're, they're very much in, uh, encapsulate that uh, Josh, I, I have so many questions that I want to ask you. I think we've opened a whole new can of worms here <laughs> that's uh, going to make for a fascinating conversation. But unfortunately, we're just running out of time. And uh, in wrapping up, I, I guess I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, and you've already answered this in so many ways. But for the person listening to this who wants to optimize their business leadership and life in general, what are your top three tips based on everything? It doesn't have to be just internet marketing or just... Um, or just spirituality it could be anything really sure sure so the first thing I would say is to get really really clear about you know the future that that you want to have what does that look like what what let's say if you could to step into a time machine and you were walking around in your business in, in three years time what do you see what uh, what are your employees saying about you at the water cooler what are your um, what is your uh, financials? What are your financials? You know, reveal. Um, what is the media saying about you? What's happening with your marketing? Um, you know, are you marketing globally now? Are you marketing more online? Are, are you really connecting? How big is your audience? What kind of products and services are you, are you releasing? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? What's your part in the business? How's the business functioning on a day-to-day basis? So I, I, I want you to go somewhere and you know ideally get away from the office get away from even your home ideally go somewhere really that relaxes you and you resonate with and you really love that environment and spend a couple of days getting really really clear about all those you know questions and that's something called the the painted picture and i'm not going to claim development for that it's just it's an exercise that i know a lot of ceos and entrepreneurs are using at the moment and uh, it's really getting amazing results for people. Their, their painted pictures coming in, into B for one reason that they actually go and then share that with lots and lots of people. They share it socially. They share it, um, you know, with their friends, with their family, with their staff, and it allows you to indoctrinate people into your vision. So you're not worried about the how at that point. You're only looking at the why. Sorry, you're only looking at the what, not the, the why. What? This is the what. What's your you know your life and business look like three years from now in high definition you know detail so that's 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 my first um big tip get very very clear about the what um the my second big tip is um around recruiting you know get get comfortable with hiring superstar um players to to do work for you and allow some stuff to get taken off your plate as much as you can as much as you can allow to to come off your plate 
um, as revenue allows for right now and for stuff that is not worth your you know magic hourly number try to get other people doing it even if it's just outsourcing you know a few hours here and there to people to start taking off um, work from yourself so that you can you know free yourself up from from things and and you can start to function more in the areas of the work that are your strengths that you really enjoy that you really like yeah so which is leading leads into my third tip which is as you're starting to get more and more people take things off your plate you want to then begin to focus on creating SOPs or standard operating procedures. So these standard operating procedures, and you can indoctrinate the people to start helping you with this, whether you're whether you're a one-man army or a business with lots and lots of staff, um, and, and perhaps for the one-man army, it's even more important, and, and, and take the time to do it and to really start to create checklists for yourself, create step-by-step systems, create step-by-step procedures that can be handed to people so that they can, you know, really read it and with a little bit of training either from you or from a, a colleague or from one of your team members, start to implement stuff with a very high degree of accuracy. And then as a fourth tip as well, if you can, get some quality control people in that's role is literally just to spot check that your systems and processes are being implemented at a high level of quality. And that's how you can, one, get your vision very clear for where you're going, two, start to free yourself up, to three, work on the systems and procedures that are going to allow you to experience that ultimate freedom in your life and business. Wow, that's brilliant. I think you've um, definitely, after a very long time, we've had very, very a good hybridization of the pragmatic and uh, and the spiritual in this conversation. Josh, it's been absolutely phenomenal having you on. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we'll have you back on the show soon um, to talk about things as they evolve with your show. Um, and, and just in saying that, where can people find you? Uh, sure. Okay. So you can find me at uh, www.tropicalentrepreneur.com. Um, or you can also go to Josh Denning, J-O-S-H-D-E-N-N-I-N-G, and that will all, that will uh, redirect, joshdenning.com will redirect to Tropical Entrepreneur. Um, and, of course, you can also find me on Facebook. If you just uh, search Tropical Entrepreneur, my Facebook page will pop up, and I share quite a bit of micro content and strategies and ideas and tips there um, on Facebook. But the best um, place really is to just head over to tropicalentrepreneur.com and all my interviews and things and value and ideas and strategies and tips that I share with people uh, will, will all be there. And uh, maybe as one final tip, if you can, get yourself to a mountain and find a yogi and, and get yourself introspective for, for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. Thanks, Josh. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Dev. Really appreciate you, man. You're a legend, a champion, and a scholar, and I really appreciate you having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. It was a great time. Thanks so much, man. Right back at you, man. Speak to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode of The Life Optimized Show, remember to visit thelifeoptimizeshow.com. Leave a rating and review on iTunes and help spread the word with all your friends and networks.